In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Hemant Chavon, who is the co-founder and CEO of Brick and Click. Hemant, welcome to the show. Hey, Bobby. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, I know you're a busy guy, so again, appreciate you taking some time with us today. Uh, educate our listeners on some of your, your journey and uh, kind of go ask you some questions around that as well, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about Hamant. Uh, what, are, what are you all about? And then we'd love to le- learn a little bit more, more about Brick and Click. Yeah. Thank, again, thanks for having me on the show, Bobby. My name is uh, Hamant Chavan. Uh, I'm originally from Mumbai, India, uh, born and raised, and but been here in uh, the U.S. for the last 12 years. Went to school at University of Illinois, uh, did my civil engineering uh, out there. Uh, and then for the last 10 years have been I'm mostly in New York, working in the real estate development and construction space. So that's where building multifamily, office, commercial, mixed-use uh, uh, real estate, that's where you know I've kind of spent most of my time in. And during that phase, uh, in the, especially in the last four or five months, uh, uh, we always had the retail component, which was very difficult to get leased. And... Uh, saw that f- fundamental shift towards uh, shopping online and e-commerce. And that's where seeing a lot of vacant spaces, walking around Manhattan and, you know, the spaces, uh, locations that I thought were, when I first moved out, were the bread and butter of the city, uh, mom and pop shops, restaurants, bars, restaurants having for for rent sign, for vacancy sign. That's where, you know, knowing, having industry ex- expertise, had friends who were in the e-commerce space uh, came up with this concept along with my co-founder Eric Hirani uh, and uh, we are uh, so Brick and Click is our startup we basically uh, have turnkey retail spaces and online marketplace and a very cool uh, virtual reality store and it's I know when people say virtual reality it kind of gets a little confusing but uh, uh, we have a shoppable checkout store it's first in kind for a multi-brand retailer uh, and yeah, we're getting all your favorite uh, D2C brands or online brands in store. Uh, along the lines, what we're doing is uh, we're learning the pain points of retailers and building supplemental retail tech software that enables independent retailers, which is a huge market, underserved and under-digitized to incrementally help their revenue and foot traffic. Awesome, awesome. Give us give us a real-life example. What's like, a, what's like a client that you can share and how do they use uh, your, your, your service, your product? Yeah, so uh, the product is uh, uh, integrated, seamless uh, store plus uh, e-commerce platform. So we have two stores right now, one in the Bay Area where we launched last year, and then uh, one in uh, the Oculus here in New York City. I mean, what we it's, it's a typical store. Uh, you walk in, you can look at it's multi-brand format. So we have everything from wellness, clean beauty, home goods, uh, food and beverage. And then we have a lot of omni-channel integrations around that. 
Uh, store design is very unique. We create these uh, dioramas which resemble your home. So components of your home, so like a bedroom, bathroom, living room that we designed uh, in uh, conjunction with our uh, architect partner, Callison, which is the biggest retail architect out there. So basically, we have this diorama of bedroom. You have products that you would see everything from a mattress to a bed frames to even your wellness uh, products. Then we have a bathroom that we've created where you store all your beauty products, your wellness products, uh, and living room with all your home good stuff. So that's where when people walk into the store, they uh, look at it from, uh, they can visualize this in their, in, their, in their own home. So that's where it's very unique in that setup. And when we get, uh, we get new brands in all the time. So we don't have to replace the setup of the store because, you know, when you're doing like a mini mall experiential type uh, space, uh, when you get a new brand, you have to re- redo the space. Our spaces are very organic, so our store is constant and the brands move around. And then we have everything from buy in store, pick up, buy in store and get shipped to you from to your home, buy online, pick up in store. Uh, and then we have uh, you know computer vision technology in the store, so we see dwell times, how much people, how much, what are the hot zones uh, where people are spending their time in the store, and then we move products around in the store. Why should a um, you know a typical customer that that you know one of your customers why did they work with you instead of going and putting up their own store? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question, Bobby. Uh, so uh, a lot of D two C brands are opening stores. We've seen you know with the recent uh, IP of Warby Parker and Allbirds. Uh, Warby Parker looks like more of a retail concept than an e commerce store. Two thirds of their sale comes online. So. A lot of brands would want to come, uh, would want to open stores, uh, or online brands are opening stores. But that's where we have to see what that brand is, right? Not every brand has the SKUs and the number of products to fill a store, right? For example, if you're a luggage company, how many times is the same customer coming in to buy? Uh, luggages or, or even if you call it a sleep store like how many times is that same customer coming in so the power of a beauty of a multi-brand format is where brands come in for a short term they can be for a short term or a long term some of the brands that we started a year ago are still with us and then they share um, the part of the beauty of uh, online commerce is uh, you see all these cool brands or doing giveaways or brand partnerships so we're getting that online concept in store and a, a customer walks in wanting to buy a particular product just by association they discover a new product and then we're we're filling up uh, our, our basically a cart as a complementary set of online brands which would be very difficult uh, to find anywhere else and not to mention the cost of opening a store it takes you know uh, months from uh, site uh, site uh, acquisition or lease acquisition, signing, uh, negotiating the lease, building out the space, finding an architect, and that's like a capital intensive process. So we're taking those, you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars and test, letting brands test in store with, with a few hundred dollars, right? Uh, so that's where it's very efficient. You can basically send us the products, we take care of the rest, and we can open a store within a few days at a fraction of the cost. That's awesome. That's awesome. As you've been working with different brands, Amon, and you, as you have, you know, again, different brands within your store environments, what are some, have you noticed what, you know, maybe the top value drivers are for what move customers to purchase and, and buy those products today? 
Yeah, so you have like 100 plus brands right now in a store within a short period of time. And during the most challenging period too, right? With COVID, stores had reduced capacity. So we had uh, part of our strategy was opening during a small time was kind of, of course, getting ahead of the curve. We always knew uh, people want to shop in store. And the data that we saw in Q2 this year was uh, more uh, like 94% of Walmart customers are buying in store. 83% of target customers are using the store to buy in store or do local delivery or local pickups, right? So customers are actually, the for the most part, valuing three things. That is convenience, value, uh, the cost, and the quality of product, right? So they're not really caught up in this tug of war between online and offline. To be frank, they could care less. They're solving for their convenience, right? So when a brand comes in to our store, We've had customers, we've opened us in the Oculus Way in a commuter hub. So a lot of our customers are these commuters who walk past our store every day. And they like this, these products that they purchase from Amazon or the brand's website usually takes two days. And shipping is broken, as you know, right? Uh, it takes a long time uh, for products to uh, get delivered. UPS CEO came out last month saying they are going to exceed uh, capacity by 5 million orders per day during the holiday season so uh, a lot of brands are going to have to face a lot of angry customers because they're not going to care about these delays so what we do is if you're building these micro stores in most parts of the country and in the path of people's commute it's very convenient right instead of waiting now for days you can get the product in a few minutes and some of the customers are just they're not shopping they're just buying like you would do in amazon right so on amazon you go for the buying experience rather than you know, the shopping and spending your time. So we're kind of recreating that online experience in store by getting these essential products out to the customers where the customers are, right? So we're opening stores in high foot traffic locations. And uh, you can, again, we do local pickups, we do local deliveries. So we are obviously very hyper-localized, know who the customer is and what they want to buy. And that's how we curate our stores and our brands. That's awesome. That's awesome. As you've been uh, kind of you know seeing the shifts both both in, in in COVID and kind of coming out of COVID, hopefully here from a consumer standpoint, what key patterns do you identify? You know that led you to building kind of multi-brand micro stores. I mean, you said some of it. You, know, you can put a bunch of brands in a place. You can help these you know these uh, brands get exposure to customers. But why multi-brand multi micro stores? And and do you feel like? the customers that you're working with, are they going to be, is this for a period of time that they work with you or is this kind of a long-term kind of play with you? Yeah, so uh, part of uh, this multi-brand store is because things are changing and retail is going through a consolidation, right? So for example, if you have an apparel store uh, last year, you probably didn't have too many sales because people weren't really going out that much, right? So when we opened last year, we had wellness and clean beauty type products because at that time, people were thinking about their health more. Uh, they, they probably lost like a family or a friend or went through serious illness. So they started looking at their own health. Most of our customer base is uh, Gen X and millennials, even though our products are these cool trendy products. So you're getting this new customer base to uh, try out and test out all these new age products and they're open to spending more 
more than what they would spend in a typical pharmacy that they would have spent. So with the multi-brand format, we rotate the store based on not seasonality per se, but where where the macroeconomics is, right? So, So what I mean by that is, again, that apparel example. Last year, we didn't have any apparel in our stores around last holiday season because people weren't going out that much. During that holiday season, we had people come into the store because they couldn't get these online orders in time. So they were rushing for last minute shopping in store. And some of the customers were saying, oh, this is my first time uh, going into a store because they haven't, because restaurants are closed, Broadway is closed, movie theaters are closed. So this was their first experience talking to another person other than their immediate relatives or friends. And then what happened is as things started changing in the spring, uh, post-vaccinated, at least U.S., we started seeing more people traveling, not internationally, but uh, locally because we are in a major tourist location here in the Oculus in New York City. And people were wanting more giftable items. And then uh, we are also in the financial district. So the office workers came in. So people were buying more apparel and athleisure wear. So that's when we started getting more of these apparel. So part of being multi-brand is also being agile in terms of the curation where, first of all, where is the store located? Who's that customer who's walking by? And also where we are in the world, right? So we started adding some home goods stuff earlier in the spring too. And as the curation now goes uh, into the holiday season, we'll get more of these brands which are more giftable. So a lot of the brands, the reason why they work with us is because they get the flexibility. They can use our store for a short-term marketing purpose or they can use for a long, if they're getting sales through throughout the year and it's not a seasonal product, they can just send us the products. And again, a lot of these brands don't have a retail team. They don't, uh, there may be even a venture funded company doesn't have more than 10, 15 employees and they're heavily focusing on e-commerce that they don't have the time or the energy to build out a retail team. So they actually test out retail with us. We've had a lot of brands actually graduating to say, some of the brands have got 750 target store distribution. Some of them are in Whole Foods. Some of them have re- raised their series of funds. So part of it's like you test with us before you graduate to the big boxes. So uh, part of what we're doing is we're helping identify uh, brands and getting them into retail stores uh, so that uh, they can learn about how, what the retail experience looks like. And we have a lot of brands actually graduating to uh, big box stores. We had a brand which got 750 target store distribution, another brand that got into Whole Foods and uh, Wegmans across the country. Some of these brands are using our store to get uh, investors uh, come into the stores and look at their products in real life. So part of using the store is for different marketing and PR reasons too, as well as looking at as a, as a store, as an incubator, test retail at a low-cost environment before getting wider distribution. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and you know, one of the things that I really liked about kind of your story is that you you test a lot of technologies in the stores to help use technology to really interact with customers. What are some of those technologies that you've tested and, and you know, what, what are some of your favorites? So we are big proponents of using the uh, technology to empower our salespeople and our staff as opposed to replace them. Putting up youth sensors and make it a total checkout process is, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, which when retail is suffering through that, it, uh, it's an add-on cost 
on addition to all the capex. So we start off with the basic things, right? So we don't don't give out any paper receipts. So we only have digital receipts. So which is emails or text. That's been our. It sounds simple, but it's uh, we, I've very seen. Uh, I've not seen many retailers uh, use that where. You're getting the customer, capturing the customer at post-purchase like you would do online. And then we target them with uh, text and email uh, campaigns if the new product is dropping or if there's a discount uh, that we're running, promotional events, things like that. So I think that's worked really well. Uh, QR codes, uh, unfortunately, haven't got a lot of uh, traction. The reason for that is if you're in a restaurant, you're you know using the QR code to get to the menu, you're actually a converted customer by that point. So you're more likely to use the QR code to access the menu. Uh, but in a store, when there's so much product and so much content on the shelves, the QR codes are so small in physical size that they kind of get lost in a 3,000, 4,000 square feet space. Uh, maybe they could work at... Uh, for example, quick one-tap uh, purchases or at post-purchase uh, uh, where the conversion is higher. Uh, but we haven't seen that uh, conversion on with QR codes. Um, we've tested out, obviously, local deliveries, uh, partnering up with some, some of these food delivery apps. So that's kind of helped us grow our uh, local pickup orders. We've done virtual appointments but and live streaming, but they haven't really... Uh, since the stores have opened back up this summer, people actually are, are we seeing more people in stores rather than getting on a virtual appointment or in live stream. Part of that is people are actually going back to work, right? So during the pandemic, they maybe they were at home, they had more time for themselves, so they would maybe, and stores are closed, right? So part of that is uh, people are kind of going back to the mean in terms of what the customer behavior is. The recent uh, U.S. Department of Commerce report is saying still 82% of retail is happening in brick and mortar. And then one of our favorite technology is this uh, virtual reality store. And let me kind of define that, right? So when, because VR and AR kind of gets uh, mixed up a lot, virtual reality is uh, you're taking actual physical space and converting it into a digital twin or a virtual environment. And AR is you're in actually in that physical environment and you're adding like a virtual component to it. So with a virtual store, our technology, we feel, is uh, much more um, advanced and it's a checkout enabled thing. So people can, you know, you can be in your home right now and you can actually go to our San Francisco store or a New York store right from a website. You don't have to put any fancy goggles or anything like that. And you're walking through that virtual environment like if you were doing a walkthrough on Zillow or apartments uh, apartments.com. But like we've added like a checkout component to it. So you can tap a product, learn about it, and check out in that virtual environment. So we've seen actually orders coming from Europe through that. So uh, very early in that uh, stage, but we want to be ahead of the curve. Yeah, makes sense. I got to go check out your San Francisco store uh, and see everything. For it, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So Amon, as you're thinking about you know advice that you would give to, you know we get this question all the time, smaller store owners, right? regarding your know, checkout post-selling experience seems like you've got it down you've got it down for multiple brands within your experience right what advice would you give these small store owners regarding checkout and the post-selling experience any advice really comes uh you can have the best in class technology but it comes down to who that customer uh, base is and what's their inclination or uh What's the inclination to use that technology, right? So if you are pushing some 
again, virtual reality sounds cool, but like, what is the adoption rate for that, right? Live streaming sounds cool, but what is the adoption rate for that, right? So uh, if you're an independent store owner um, in, say, Bozeman, Montana, or Traverse City, Michigan, where there's a lot of independent retailers in main streets and your customers are walking by in store, I would say the best thing you could do is get their emails and text receipts. We've seen 75% of people either give emails or text. And we've out of the 25%, they just didn't want to give out emails or text, but we never lost a customer because we didn't have a paper receipt, right? So, and part of where we are, right? Post-pandemic world or close to a post-pandemic world, people are more averse or more inclined to using technology across every generation from baby boomers to Gen, Gen Zs. And uh, I would just say, start with the uh, digital receipts, uh, reduce the clutter, that reduces the clutter, it reduces, um, now there's all these apps for Apple Pay is great, right? Why not create that same experience in store where you have one tap payments uh, and you don't need like fancy technology for that. It's a QR code or it could be an NFC tag and then a digital receipt, right? So I think start with that some something simple. And if you want to use some of the more advanced technologies like smart mirrors, smart lockers, get on live stream and stuff like that. I think it comes down to who your customer base is, knowing what their inclination is to use that technology. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. How is, uh, I know you use kind of VR in your stores too. How is, how do you describe how your VR model is kind of different than others really that, that are using VR? I break it down into two aspects. One is the business side and then is the technology side. On the business side, a lot of what we're doing is seeing technology, what's the adoption of that technology is and not saying this one technology is the future, right? It could be, again, it comes down to who the retailer is or the businesses and what technology works for your customer. So we're not vertically, uh, we're vertically integrated across different stacks of our technology use, but we're not saying this one technology is the future. So, and with our backgrounds, uh, we can do these virtual realities within a day. Uh, So the value that we can not just for us we can even sell this virtual reality to other retailers and again this is not the core business this is a small part of our business so we can even give much more value to to retailers uh, as opposed to just going to a business whose whole technology is vr right and we don't say technology is just for the sake of technology we have a lot of retailers approach us and we've turned them down just because say because maybe they have too many products on there and you have to tag each products gets a little clunky uh, because you don't want to, in a virtual environment, you don't want to send them back to the website because that's just making it an inefficient process. So you want that uh, checkout enable process in that virtual reality. And on the technology side, we're not doing renderings or anything that's clunky. The technology that we use is very clean. Uh, it's very it's walkable, very seamless. And it's truly merging the online and offline, right? So we're not creating... A rendering it's the actual store that we create a digital twin and then the best part of it is when your lease is over uh, you can have that store with you forever you're not manned by store hours and you're not bounded by store staff right so your operating expense is zero and then the store can remain in perpetuity the best part is you can check out within that environment and uh, it's much more seamless that way one kind of last question for me is What's the future of brick and mortar retail stores in your mind? 
Yeah, so again, retail in the U.S. is going through a consolidation. Uh, it's it's grossly overbuilt. Everyone knows that. But with that said, people are the data showing people still want to shop in store. One of the things that we've taken advantage is second gen spaces or stores which were left by a previous retailer. So you come in, uh, you don't have to now. Part of being retail, you know, launching a store takes months or sometimes years, right? So we we're using all these retail spaces because a lot of retailers have, uh, you know, exited the market. Some are consolidating, and we're taking advantage of these beautiful stores that have been left behind. Uh, I've walked through 70 stores in New York in the last few months, and I can't even believe the quality of the stores that we left. So uh, reducing your CapEx through using uh, second-gen spaces, uh, re- you can't look at uh, retail and online as uh, as um, as competition. It's not a tug-of-war anymore. It has to be seamlessly uh, used. You have to use a store for fulfillment. That's what we're doing. 15-minute delivery is uh, apps are popping up all over New York City, but I've seen some of them using a prime foot traffic area and converting that into a dark store. So you're leaving leaving money on the table by closing your store to to the customers. So yeah, I think there is uh, legs to um, local delivery, but as you've seen with Uber Eats and a lot of these food delivery, it's not a profitable business, right? So we we look at store as this flexible environment where during different times of the year or different times of day you're using virtual appointments or live streams when there's traffic slow when the traffic's high then you just use convert that into a regular store and then during the best time prime time holiday season you of course are concentrating on just in-store sales because people are not going to wait for their orders for weeks and already right now there's 50 60 containers on the port of la right so uh, retail has this prime advantage where the e-commerce supply chain or logistics is not built to handle the increase in demand of commerce uh, and favorable leases Uh, landlords are ready to negotiate with you they are your friend and they're not your enemy right now we're working with institutional landlords and there's a lot of flexibility in working uh, uh, with uh, uh, landlords right now. So I would take I would take all this uh, headwind for retail uh, uh, right now and just be a little agile and uh, flexible in how you use these spaces. That was a wealth of information. I thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I know our listeners are, are really going to enjoy this. Before I let you go, any any kind of last words? Small businesses are suffering right now. Uh, we, I mean, this is being recorded during 9-11. We've been here in uh, New York City in downtown for the last year, and we've seen things coming back uh, quickly uh, than we uh, we thought. So, yeah, I would just say support small businesses. Uh, a lot of new innovation coming out of them. And, yeah, everyone kind of needs a chance. Awesome, Haman. Thank you again for your time today. Appreciate it and, and look forward to uh, staying in touch here. Thank you, Bobby, for having me. Absolutely. Have, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.